Once their, once their wings were wet, <laughs> for the first few years we camped in our trail. <laughs> for the first, f- <sighs> but that was only a last rev. But that was only a last rev. Oh, jeez. Why do you keep making me say the hard things over? From Boogieland Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Our Cabin on Lake Michigan. Vacations were still with Uncle Harry and Barb, but this year we abandoned our campers and stayed at a cabin right on the shores of Lake Michigan. It was beautiful. That summer, there were monarch butterflies all over the place. We found ourselves rescuing them from the beach. The wind would blow them into the water and they would get washed up on the shore. Once their wings were wet, they could no longer fly. We would pick them up and carry them back up to our cabin where we had created a monarch hospital. We found a big patch of flowers, placed a bowl of water in the middle of the patch and put all our injured butterflies on these flowers. Some of them only needed to dry off before they flew away. Others were too tattered to survive. We gave them a better ending than being buried in the sand. That was a magical butterfly summer. Over the many years I spent on that beach, I never saw butterflies like that again. And we did spend many more summers on that beach because my parents and Barb and Harry bought a piece of land right down the beach from that cabin. It was only land with no cabin yet, and for the next forever summers of our lives, we would spend building a cabin on that land. Of course, when I say we built a cabin, I meant my mom and dad and Barb and Harry built a cabin. We were kids and not much help. We dug a few holes and pounded a few nails, but our most helpful act was to stay out of the way. Somewhere, Dad and Harry found a set of giant sliding glass windows, windows that were simply going to be thrown away. These windows became the inspiration for the cabin design as well as the theme of using scavenged and repurposed materials to build our cabin. My dad, who was a mechanical engineer and a very good artist, drew up the plans for the cabin. Then they took these plans to an architect friend who put these plans into their proper form in order to get the correct permits to build. In fact, obtaining permits was the beginning of many summer vacations. We did everything. And again, when I say we, I mean Mom and Dad and Barb and Harry. We did have to hire professionals for some of the building, sometimes learning the hard way. For example, my dad, a little overconfident in his plumbing skills, only to be brought down by the plumbing inspector and all his pink not up to code tape. My grandpa was an electrician, so we had a professional already in the family for that. Professionals to dig the well and put in the septic tank, although we did dig the giant hole for the septic tank. Oh, and hey, we kids did actually help dig that hole. 
For the first few years, we camped in our trailers while we were building the cabin. Also, in the first few years, a bathroom was not available. We could use the outhouse at the public beach, which was a few lots down from our lot, but that was only a last resort. Stinky! If our friends were at their cabin, we could walk down there and use their bathroom. Showers were not a thing, but the lake was always open. We would wade out in the water and wash our hair and soap up. Yes, we would smell of lake water, but it was a good, clean smell. But once the foundation was in, the first thing we built was a bathroom. And for a few years, the bathroom was a toilet surrounded with black plastic. Summers as a kid at the cabin were spent helping to build it. Lots and lots of swimming in the lake. Lake Michigan could be a fickle temperature. One day it could be beautiful, then the wind would change, and the next day it would be so cold you could only stand in it for a few seconds. Or one summer, all week long, it would be amazing. Or all week long, it would be so cold you could feel it all the way into your bones and varying temperatures in between. Cold, but you can get used to it. Some summers, the water would be clear and lovely. Other years, gloppy seaweed would be floating around. Some years, mass fish suicides along the shores. One application of sunscreen in the morning is not enough, and you will pay dearly if you are lazy and do not do it again. I got some of the worst sunburns in my life on that beach. Most of my teenage years at the cabin, I would spend all day in my swimming suit. Another favorite was climbing the dunes, then running down as fast as you can. And if the dune happens to be at the end of the water, even better, because climbing dunes is hot work. The public beach was only two lots down from our cabin, and a channel came into the lake from Silver Lake. The channel was good if the lake was too cold. It was always warmer, as well as a perfect place for little ones to play in the water if the waves on the lake were a little too rough. In the channel, one could watch minnows and tadpoles, maybe a frog, hopefully not a snake. We always had to make the hike down the channel to the dam. It was a small dam and we could crawl over the rocks and sit under the strong rushing water running over the dam. Campfires on the beach or down behind the cabin two or three nights a week. It was a magical place. I missed a few summers of my teenage years for one reason or another. But after Randy and I were married, we didn't miss a summer. Our girls spent every summer of their life at the cabin. Days at the cabin looked very different when you added little children. I was never one that liked to lay out in the sun. Sure, I was happy to play in the lake all day in the sun, but I did not like to simply sit in the sand in the sun. But with little ones, we couldn't let them play in the water without supervision. So someone had to be down on the beach with them when they were in the water. Those could be hot, sandy days on the beach. On the other hand, it was so much fun watching them discover tadpoles and crawdads, building sand castles and splashing away in the water. I remember the year when I felt confident enough to let my girls go swimming while I watched from the deck of the cabin. 
I still wanted to see them in the lake. Of course you didn't go swimming by yourself, but it was a beautiful year when I no longer had to go on the beach and watch my children swim. With that said, swimming in the lake and playing on the beach with my kids will forever be some of my most cherished memories. No one wants a rainy day on the beach, although to watch a storm come up over the lake is a spectacular sight. The way the lake changes colors and the sky and the clouds and the lightning over the lake is a sight to behold. Rain also brings a freshness. In Michigan, the rain cools everything off. Sometimes when it rains at home, I think, oh, good rain. That will cool things off. But I forget this is Kansas, and rain doesn't work that way here. It only makes things muggier. Oh, and the blueberries. There is a wonderful you-pick patch right down the road. We would pick pounds and pounds of blueberries, bring them home, and eat them by the handful all day long. Of course, we ate them by the handful right off the bushes as well. We would often joke that we should be weighed before and after we went into the blueberry patch. There really is nothing better tasting than Michigan blueberries, fresh off the bush. It was tradition to not watch TV or movies. We didn't spend time on our phones or computers. Instead, we played games, read books, took long walks along the beach, or took long naps in the hammock. We always brought our horns and played duets and let the music ring out over the beach. Often my dad would bring his horn out at night and play, bringing people out to investigate where that beautiful music was coming from. My dad was the heartbeat of the cabin. He loved to be there as much as the rest of us, but he also kept it running, always fixing things. He had a shed out in the back full of tools where we would usually find him, working on something. The cabin was a gift to all of us, and it was a sad year when we had to say goodbye. My heart still mourns that loss. Sometimes I close my eyes and imagine my feet in the sand and the waves rolling up over my feet and the sound of the surf in my ears. But it's a gift that not everyone gets, and I will be thankful for the many years I had at that magical place. Celebrate with us, because our little podcast recently hit the 5,000 download mark. We wanted to stop for just a moment and say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging with us on Facebook and Instagram. And thank you for reviewing our podcast and sharing it with your friends. We're a pretty small operation here, and we know that hitting this mark has everything to do with you. So here's to you, and to us, 
and to the next 5,000. Now, on with the show. On with the show. I'd like to welcome my Uncle Harry. So welcome, Harry. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Wendy. Thanks for inviting me. Okay, so we, we, we did vacations together. We camped together. When did you make the transition from, okay, we're going to keep going to campgrounds, and then said, let's buy a cabin? Barbara and Lucy uh, Thomas, Jack and Lucy Thomas, were really, really good friends. Right, and who's Jack and Lucy Thomas, just so you know, everybody who's listening? Jack and Lucy Thomas were the Corkadet Guardians in uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and Barbara was the new lieutenant. Okay. Uh, assisting at Kalamazoo, Michigan. They got to be really good friends. Barbara babysat their kids, mm-hmm. and uh, they just uh, fell in love with each other. Sure. I think we had been to uh, Jack and Lucy's cabin, mm-hmm. and so Barbara just loved that area. Just She just was enamored with it. We said to the your, your parents, would you like to go to Jack and Lucy's cabin with us? They said that we could go and spend some time there. However, there was no bathroom. Uh, in the facility. So we would have to rough it, you know. Jack happened to say all the stuff is there to finish the bathroom. Okay. Lucy was really happy about us going because she thought we could finish the bathroom. <laughs> Did you? We finished the bathroom and then it was the roof we're going to fix as well. Your dad and I were on the roof and we were looking out at the lake and it was such a beautiful day, just a stunningly beautiful day. Uh, one of us, there's a debate about who it was. <laughs> One of us said, you know, we could be doing this for ourselves. Sure. So we said, okay. And the next spring, Barbara and I uh, went up to uh, that area and we looked at uh, a number of cabins and reported to your parents. And so they said, well, let's go and we'll take a look at those pieces of property. But Barbara was going to stay home and take care of the kids. So the three of us went up to this area. Nothing really clicked with us, but they were what we had found. Sure. So we sure. went to uh, one of Jack's friends, a realtor, and said, "Is this is this piece of property a good a good buy?" You know, we didn't know the market up there, so so he uh, he said, "Come in," and and uh, he finally said, uh, "Here's a piece of property that came on the market yesterday." We went down and looked at it, and we went back and said, "We want to buy that property." We signed our our names that we wanted to buy that property. But we knew we were in trouble. Barbara had not seen that piece of property. Right. So we said to Barbara, we have purchased a piece of property. And you could see the the, the red come in her face, her disappointment at us doing something without her. And then, and then we said, just a minute, just a minute. Phyllis drew the picture of where it was. And when Barbara knew where it was, she recognized it immediately. She was elated she was delighted so it was a good thing that uh you knew the the area barb otherwise you might not have been so compliant on that huh? <laughs> that is true that is true <laughs> another problem we had was that the purchase price of the property was in odd sense odd sense yeah it was like uh you know fourteen thousand two hundred eighty three dollars and eighty three cents <laughs> That is weird. So who's going to pay the extra penny? Ah, mm. that's a tough one. That was a tough one. How'd you make the decision? Your parents were better healed than we were, so they they paid the extra penny. They did it. 
Although your dad never held it over me that he owned more of the property than we did. He he never did hold that over me. He didn't. Oh, he's a good guy like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he is. When we looked at other pieces of property, we knew that this was such a good deal. We said to the the realtor when we bought it, how come this is so inexpensive as compared to the rest of them? He said, well, there's a law going into effect in uh, September 1 of this year. If you're going to build on a property, it has to be 100 feet behind the dune. That would have meant that we would be like 10 or 12 feet from the uh, uh, from the from road. The road, yeah. We would have had a 10-story cabin. <laughs> with One room on of top of each other. Yeah, well, 10, 10 feet wide. Of course, we looked it up to see whether he was, you know, what, what the rest of the story might be. Mm-hmm. And what we needed to do was uh, we had to have um, get a building permit which would grandfather it, okay. but you can't have a building permit unless you have plans. So you had to draw up some plans really quick. Well, the you is probably not me. <laughs> okay, so so dad had to draw up some plans really quick. <laughs> right, so we, we there's a picture of us at uh, your house in Gary. Yep, yeah, I know this picture. And so we're, we're talking about what do we want in the cabin. Uh, all four of us kind of talked, and, and finally... Uh, your dad got some preliminary plans, but it, it wasn't enough. We had, to, we had to have an architect, yeah, Jack Thomas, but he was a whole lot slower than we wanted him, him to be. <laughs> I'm sure. he, he was doing other things. I mean, you know, it wasn't just us, but uh, fin- finally he gave us the plans and we uh, drove up to the county seat and uh, gave them the plans. Yeah. And then they gave us the permit and then we were, we were okay. But we also had to have it done within, I think the cabin had to be done in two years. It had uh, to be built in two years? Right. The first thing we had to do was we had to pour a foundation. Right. I remember that. It, it, there was sand. Your dad laid out the diagram of it. Yeah. And we had to take all this sand out of the uh, area. Right. As he was looking at the plan, he said, we have to put some of the sand back. <laughs> None of us were happy about that. I'm sure. We put all the sand back. We got it all leveled. And then he said, the worst is over. (laughs) That was the beginning. You used that many a times, didn't you, over the building of that cabin? (laughs) We did. We did. The worst was over. Worst is over. Which was, um, how true was that? Oh, Wendy, Wendy, Wendy. (laughs) It it, it was not even close to being true. But at the moment. At the moment, the worst was over with that, uh, as far as we knew. Right. We just didn't know any anymore. But yeah. we've used that uh, in life. Uh, that's been the quote of our, right. our existence, the I guess. The worst is over. Yeah. I guess that, you know, helps you get through, ah, everything is better from here on out. Right, right. We've, uh, well, um, I feel like there was sort of a theme in building the cabin with sort of um, scavenged materials. There was lots of stuff that was kind of secondhand material. Am I right about that? Uh, Yes, you are. We were at camp. Of course, Jack knew of our project. Jack said to us, um, could you do us a favor? Oh. He said, well, I have these uh, windows out here, and I've tried to sell them, and I can't sell them. I wonder if you guys would like to have them. Okay. And those those were the big front windows. They were, those were the big front windows, yeah. Okay. So that's where they came from. 
because we did Jack a favor. Yeah, that was nice of you guys to do that for him. It, it was. It yeah. was. Yeah. And then we were in need of mattresses. Oh. We were going somewhere to get wood or something. I don't know. And there were some people who had put their, some mattresses out on the street in this little town. And your dad said, uh, you know, we sleep on other people's mattresses whenever we go to a motel. So uh, we picked those mattresses up and uh, we, I think we, the women sprayed them really good with whatever. So there were no critters yeah. in there. And so we, we did that. We scavenged a lot of, a lot of stuff. That's the, yeah. That's, that's yeah. you know, in now to scavenge and do everything that's secondhand. Right. So you guys were just ahead yeah. of your time. That's right. Always ahead of our time. That's right. What, uh, something that astounded me. We had poured the cement a slab to start with, and then we had to put the walls up yeah. uh, for the basement. So your dad said to us, so come up here. We're going to, I'll show you how to lay block. Okay. So your dad showed me how to do it. And I said, where did you learn how to do this? He said, I watched a guy. <laughs> so I, I figured out how to do a little gizmo. That was a, the length of a block. Uh, it was a, the thickness of the mud. And so I, I put that on top of a, each cement block. Steve filled it. And then uh, Barbara and, and Kevin mixed the cement. So I would lay it up. Steve did the rest of it all the way around. And the biggest surprise to me was the next spring when we went up there, it was still standing. <laughs> I it's had still no, standing today. And it's still standing today. I had no thought that it would last that long and I was I was sure your dad would would uh, shoot me because <laughs> I didn't do it right, you know, right. and he would have to do it all over again. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there were lots of times that I'm sure that you were like, "Well, I I think this is how we do it. Let's go." It was my job to do the uh, the, the plumbing under the sink. Oh in yeah, the, in the, the great room. Mm -hmm. We started at six o'clock in the morning when the sun came up, and then we would have lunch at two. Okay, so morning. I spent all that time doing the. Um, plumbing underneath the sink. Yeah. So we had lunch. Your dad inspected my work. <laughs> and you know what he said already. It won't do, Harry. Uh, it won't do. <laughs> so I had to take it all apart. Oh, no. So we had uh, we had the wall, the cement wall that Barbara and Kevin and Steve and I had put up. And now we put a platform on top of that. Right. And it's like 40 feet wide. We had that done. And your dad said, well, we better measure to see how close we are. It had to be measured, you know, the sides and then at angles yeah. to see whether we were square. And it wasn't square. Oh, no. It was a 32nd of an inch oh, my out of square. <laughs> and your dad is looking at that. And you're thinking, and do not make me do it again, right? My words were a little stronger than that, Wendy. <laughs> I don't <laughs> believe it. I don't. There, there was nothing foul in them, but there was no way that I was interested in doing that again. Yeah. I could tell he was thinking that we just had to fix this. We yeah. just had to fix this. And finally, 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 it seemed like it was 10 minutes, but it was probably only two. He said, we're going to live with that. <laughs> I was so, so, so relieved. So I've, I've talked to, uh, we have friends who are contractors. Yeah. I told them this, this story. And they have just marveled at the fact that you guys are amateurs, actually, and uh, they don't ever expect to get that close Is that on right? their buildings. They're amazed that uh, we got it that close. Okay. Yeah. I'm a little bit amazed that my dad said, okay, we'll live with that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too.
<laughs> he felt all the eyes of everybody else standing beside him going, don't you even, don't. Yeah. Don't. want to want to hear a story about our neighbor yeah so the neighbor uh, was a big guy so he was on his deck one time there were some boys down on the on the beach not on our beach but the public beach right and uh, they had uh, the the music was up really really loud he went down and he said to them if you would turn your radio to the lake side the music would go out over the lake and it wouldn't bother us up, up here. Uh, okay. They did that. He went back up and sat on his deck. And by the time he got up there, the boys had turned the radio around and uh, all that noise, as far as he was concerned, right. was uh, coming his way. So he got a baseball bat. He walked down to the to the beach and all he, all he did was smash it just with the ball bat. He just smashed it, turned around. Walked back up and uh, didn't say a word to them, and they didn't say a word to him. Really? And after that, there there was must have been some message that stories uh, were told. There. Yeah, yeah. That cabin has been just a wonderful place for many years. It was such a blessing to all of us to have that place. Yeah, yeah. And I know you talked about your boys feeling like that was sort of their home because you guys moved so often, and I I, I totally understand that. Yeah, yeah, it was really important to them. Yeah, like I said, it's just been a blessing for my whole family. My girls all spent pretty much every summer of their life up until we had to sell it. So thank you for all your hard work on that. And it just, like I said, it was just a great place. It was a marvelous, uh, marvelous place, yeah. I still miss it. I still, my, my whole soul just misses that place sometimes. Standing on the, the uh, deck and watching a storm come across the lake. Oh, yeah, that's just one of the most beautiful, most spectacular sights. And then the sunsets. Yep, those were wonderful. Wendy, do you remember when we saw something in the sky like uh, northern lights? You know, I don't remember anything like that. I thought I was crazy, and I knew I was going to get in trouble, but I woke <laughs> up your parents and, and everybody, you know. Sure. And I said, you, you have to come and see this. And it was like a huge bell. I'm not talking about a hundred feet or or a thousand feet tall. I'm talking about you know maybe a hundred miles tall. Wow! And it was like a bell shape, and there were streamers down the side of the bell, and it was huge. I mean, it was it was a hundred, maybe even a thousand miles high. It was way up. It was huge. Right. We didn't know what it was, and we never heard. What so you was. never figured out what that was? No. The only thing we could think of was it, it was some some aspect of Northern Lights, but it wasn't like the Northern Lights you see where they're big, like a sort of a rainbow in the sky. There were no none of those colors like that. It was just, they were all white lights, hmm. but they were, it was huge over our cabin and over the area. Yeah, I don't so, remember that. I must have missed that summer. I missed a yeah. few summers in my lifetime. Yeah. Those just the lake, just being on the lake every kind of day was a beautiful day. Yeah, it's so good to hear all these stories because there's lots of stuff that uh, I don't remember, and we weren't in on the the decision making about whether we should buy and build a cabin or not. So it's kind of fun to hear, yeah, to hear all that. So thank you so much for spending this time with me, Harry, and talking about all of this. There's so many good. So many good memories about that place. 
Yeah, yeah. And of course the lake and the cabin are a special place, but to be able to spend that time with people that you love and in a beautiful place. Yeah. It was magical. Yeah, it was. This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogie Land Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Remember to subscribe, and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username On Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at OnCarlsonDrive.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive.